42! Blue 42! Hut! Hut! Hike! This is The Game Managers on WJLX 101.5, America's one and only sports talk show. Breaking down college football's biggest games, latest news, and greatest moments. Are you ready? Because it starts right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Game Managers Podcast. I am Nick Norris, and with me, as always, is my good friend and the man voted world's biggest party boy, Justin Knight. Justin, how you doing? I usually uh, like your intros for me, but that's not even cl- I can't even fake that one. There's nowhere Yeah, you close can't fake being a party boy? True. No. Yeah. I'm sorry. That one sucked. When's the last time you went to a party that wasn't a birthday party? Um, probably back in college. Hmm, that was 30 years ago. It was, yeah. It was a long time ago. I'm really just an old man. <laughs> well, Justin, today we're going to talk about a lot of things, particularly SEC media days in the meat of the episode. But we're also going to talk about some Deshaun Watson stuff, uh, Kyler Murray's new contract, Kirby Smart's new contract, the Big 12, the Pac-12 not uh, merging together, not creating an alliance, and uh, and a few other things, if you don't mind, Justin, you number one party boy, you. You excited? Oh, yeah, I mean, I guess. About as excited Great. as I can be, you know? Okay, well, let's start with something that's not exciting. Let's start with the Deshaun Watson news. We can get it out of the way. We're all tired of hearing about it, uh, mm. but this isn't the last time we're going to hear about it. Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson and the NFL Players Association have already prepared their counter if Watson receives a one-year suspension following an investigation to allegations of sexual assault and misconduct. Yahoo Sports' Charles Robinson reported that Watson and the Players' Union will file a lawsuit in federal court if the NFL or arbitrator Sue Robinson suspends him for a year. The NFL had proposed an indefinite suspension for Watson who could ap- uh, apply for reinstatement after 12 games. Um, but Watson was, quote, still not interested in signing up for that indefinite suspension. Hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, he has a right to, you know, I, I mean, maybe a year's too much, depending on if none of these charges end up coming to anything. Um, yeah, I don't really know what's going to happen with it, because like Ben Roethlisberger, heck, he had... I don't know what happened with his charges. I guess they were probably dropped as well when he had his whole scandal. But he was only suspended, what, six games? Six games, yeah. That's one. Yeah. And this is, what, 24 cases? <laughs> so, a little different. Yeah, and 20 have already yeah. been dropped. So, uh, you know. Well, yeah. um, and there's four that are still you know, pending, probably will be dropped. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's It, d- it good, depends on what. if. If the NFL has evidence, if they say, "Look, we feel very, we feel even ninety percent sure that he did these things," then they've got to punish him because they've punished people for way less. Uh, if you know, if they have undisputable evidence, they got to really punish him. Well, um, and then they also need to release that evidence too, because I mean, right, need to know where they're yeah. getting it from instead of just like, oh, well, you know, he had some civil cases and uh, all of them were dropped, but uh, we'll still suspend him a year. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, if they have evidence that they can bring forth and be like, look, 
you know, these cases might have been dropped, but more than likely it was because you paid them a lot of money. But here's the evidence we have against you. Here's your suspension forever long. Right. Yeah, and I think that's, um, I guess maybe that's why it's taking so long. Maybe they are building that case up because they know there's going to be a battle with the players' union. I don't know, but uh, we'll keep up with this, unfortunately. I'm so sick of talking about it, but we will keep up with it, and uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Other news, though, the latest realignment news involves schools not changing conferences. The Big 12 is not interested in a partnership with the Pac-12, according to ESPN. Conferences had explored the idea over the past few days under the notion they would be worth more at the bargaining table together than apart. But the Big 12 apparently believes there could be a better deal out there, which is interesting. Well, I wonder what that means. At Big 12 Media Days last week, incoming Commissioner Brett Yormark uh, said the Big 12 was, quote, open for business. And that could have meant targeting specific Pac-12 schools for expansion. Schools most often mentioned are Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Oregon, and Washington. That business could also mean a deal with another network. CBS uh, Sports reported that Notre Dame could remain independent if it can secure a $75 million annual deal with longtime media rights holder NBC. So this is interesting because the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are talking about maybe we can uh, we can just come together and then the Big 12 went why would we do that when I could just take your teams from you? So it seems yeah. like that's, yeah, I mean, what's the point? that's where we're going. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I don't think the big 12 would be one to what emerge with somebody. Cause I believe they think, you know, they can still compete with other conferences since they've right. put teams in the playoff the past, you know, I mean, Oklahoma has been there. What? Three times, three times, something like that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't blame them. And you know, they have teams coming from, the uh, American Conference too. Um, I don't know if they're starting this year, or maybe next year, but yeah, I mean, Pac-12 is honestly—it's just a matter of time for it's. It'll just be Oregon, Oregon State, and whoever else is left. It won't. In it. Yeah, it's gonna fall apart within five years. There won't be a Pac-12, I think. Which sucks, you know. But I mean, the issue was they Pac-12 was probably the least watched out of all the foot the Power Five uh, conferences. Um, it was definitely the least attended conference game every single season. So I guess it was a matter of time for this to happen. But, um, yeah, it would be interesting to see what, like, an Oregon does. Because it, it, geographically, it still just doesn't make any sense. You know, like, I, I saw um, some of the posts on Instagram where it was, like, UCL, UCLA players getting off a plane in Minnesota in uh, December. I mean, it's going to be yeah. miserable for them. <laughs> It's yeah, not what you signed up that. for. You know, you're playing, you're like, hey, I get to be out West. I get to play other teams that are out West. But now you're stuck in the Big Ten where <laughs> just about every game you're going to play is going to be freezing cold. So that sucks. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, the geographic part, that really, it doesn't really add up because the travel is going to be insane for a lot of these teams moving different conferences. Uh, Big 12, I think, makes sense for most Pac-12 teams if they wanted to move to a different conference because that's not too bad of, you know, travel for each game. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It's going to be weird. But Pac-12, yeah, I'll probably give it another year or so, a couple years. Oregon and, Oregon and Washington will be interesting to see where they go because they, they already, they're already having discussions. They have to be. They have to know that this is falling apart. Well, yeah. So this is where we're going. Or the interesting yeah, so. thing is could they just go independent? Just be like, hey, yeah, we'll be independent. Who, no conference. I just – 
I, there's, they would leave so much money on the table. They're not big enough like a Notre Dame to make that money without a conference. I think Oregon would be it. fine just because of the they big would be Nike fine. Facility. They wouldn't be. They wouldn't be. They'd be better off financially in a conference. I guess. Yeah, I think they would yeah. make it all right just because of how big Nike is over there. But like, but yeah, Washington, they'd have to be in a conference. They couldn't make it. But hey, BYU has been okay as an independent, um, and they've been that uh, independent for a long time. So, yeah, you yeah, can you know. can do it, but you make way more money in a conference than outside of one. Even yeah. Notre Dame would make more money in a conference than outside of one. Well, yeah, so it's but, and they just so it's choose it's not weird. to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in other news, the Steelers worked out several players who appeared. Uh, in the USFL on Monday, and now they have selected to add one of them. Pittsburgh announced on Tuesday that the club has signed defensive lineman Doug Costin to a one-year contract. Costin played for the Birmingham Stallions of the USFL right here in our own backyard, helping the team win the championship not too long ago. So good for him. Very cool. I like when I, uh, whenever these guys get to move up to, uh, to the yeah. NFL. Fun stuff. Yeah. Yep, and next year we'll be talking about how he's back in the USFL. (laughs) Speaking of fun stuff, Justin, I'm excited about this. You are not. In 2012, former Notre Dame linebacker Manti Teo was in the midst of a Heisman Trophy caliber season when he found himself in the middle of a catfishing scandal that shocked the college football world. Stanford student Lene Kikua to uh, Teo's alleged girlfriend at the time, had reportedly died from leukemia in September of 2012. Through investigations by Deadspin, it turned out that wasn't true, and Kikua wasn't even a real person, just an online persona. But now, Netflix is revisiting Teo's story 10 years later, and the man that portrayed uh, Kikua, uh, Ronoi, I'm going to butcher this, Tua Sosopa, in an upcoming documentary titled Untold, The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist, set to air on August 16th. Mantateo has been trying to get this past him for 10 years, and Netflix is about to make it bigger than it's ever been. People that don't know him are going to watch this. Yeah. Golly, it's just so annoying. I thought we had finally moved on from this crap, and now i got to see it again. We all know he had set it up from the beginning. He probably knew she was fake, and if he didn't, how dumb <laughs> can so. you be? I, mean, I, think, I think this was... you got to remember the time period we're talking about. 2012, this was prime catfishing landscape. Prime? He, I mean, every, yeah, yeah, but... I mean, come on. This is on. when everybody, people hadn't all like wised up to it yet. A lot of people were getting catfished back in back but in twenty. I think it was all just a fake setup by him just to get more attention wow. on his senior season. Because you think about it, you I don't <laughs> really know. I hadn't heard much about him before his senior season. Correct? He wasn't talking. Well, you about can say that much. about. I mean, you can say that about Joe Burrow and a lot of other players too. Yeah, you still knew him though. I well, hadn't heard you, the people name knew Manteo. Um, and then all of a sudden his fake girlfriend dies and now all the spotlights on because oh he's inspired look at him play he's playing for his grandmother who also died and now his fake girlfriend and then it finally just caught up to him and you see you know once he got That's to the, the other, BCS yeah. championship I don't think he really played good in that game no um, he didn't he didn't play well at all um, that's the so, thing think about how long like that this wouldn't happen now because in 2012, there was like a season-long thing of campaigns and stuff, and just nobody looked into it. And then yeah, it the broke. Thing. 
it broke like right before the national championship, like a, a week or so before. It, I feel yeah. like if my timeline's right. That nowadays, people see nowadays people are wised up to that. People look into that immediately. Back then, people were just like, "Yeah, it's probably true." I don't know. We got other stuff to do. So, I think it, I, I can't. I'm gonna watch this. I can't wait. I'm gonna watch this for sure. Have fun. Yeah, yeah. I'll let you I'll let you tell me how it is because I have no interest. Mm-hmm. It happened ten years ago. Let's get over. Well, how about? How about this? Speaking of getting over things, Miami coach Mario Cristobal, he confirmed Thursday at his ACC Media Days appearance that Miami would no longer be breaking out the iconic jewelry after forcing a turnover. The turnover chain is no more. After uh, after a few years, it was uh, introduced in 2017, and now he's throwing it out. What do you think about that? Good. It wasn't really helping them any. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. but I think it's cool. I think people, kids like it. It's a great recruiting tool. I think you just look stupid. Remember, they pulled it out during the Alabama game where they were getting killed, and they forced, yeah. oh, they thought, I think they thought they forced the interception or something, and it was overturned. And they over there on the yeah, sideline with a big old chain. We're down 30 <laughs> points. Here's my chain, man. Yeah. And it just looks dumb. So I think he's just trying to change the culture. Like, look, it's not just one turnover we need to get excited about. You know, you still got a whole game. Can't just get so high on one play. Let's keep moving on to the next one. So. I like it. Fair enough. I think it's fine. It was just kind Fair of a enough. distraction more than anything else. Uh, the NCAA Division One Council, they are recommending entry windows for transfers or periods of time when players must provide a written notification of transfer. If passed, the rule would create two transfer portal windows in college football, 45 days, uh, quote, beginning the day following the championship selection, so the day after championship Sunday when they pick all the teams and a 15-day period in the first two weeks of May at the end of spring practice, a total of 60 days. So they're wanting transfers to only happen really during this time. So that'll be interesting to see if this passes and if it is like strictly enforced or if this is just a recommendation. So we'll, fi- we'll uh, see like more about this. Sounds like a great idea. Yeah. Sounds like they're basing yeah. it kind of off of the soccer leagues over in Europe because mm-hmm. they have certain transfer windows in January and then June, July, and August. Um I think it's good because, yeah, you don't want all these college transfers. Since now this is such a big deal with the NIL um, being such a big thing and people wanting to transfer out to make more money, um, yeah, I think it needs to be certain time periods so you don't have all these students transferring out at weird times. I think it's good. Yeah, yeah. Fresh off winning the national championship for the first time in 41 years, Georgia has given head coach Kirby Smart a long and lucrative contract extension, 10 years for a total of more than $110 million. This makes him the highest-paid coach at a public university. Very nice. So, uh, uh, he, good for I, him. He deserves it, yeah. Um, I will say this. I don't know if I brought this up yet or not to you, but, um, you know, with Georgia winning the national championship, you know, the last time, of course, they had won was 1981, and, um, you know, inflation's pretty bad right now. It's the highest since 1981, Georgia won in 1981, and they just won <laughs> wow. in 2022. Yeah. So it's not a good thing when Georgia wins anything. So we need yeah. to make sure this doesn't happen again for a long time. Please. That's, a good, that's, that's good to point out. That's very good. Last bit of news, uh, another contract. I bet we'll hear from that one Georgia fan in the comments, too. Oh, you, oh I hate Georgia. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. do. I hate them. Yeah, that one guy blew us up after the national championship game. My goodness. I don't remember his name. I'll yeah, have to pull it up. If you're listening, I'm sure yeah. you're not. If you're listening, uh, no, probably not. 
Uh, Kyler Murray, he received his wish, and Arizona has its quarterback under team control for years to come. Murray and the Cardinals have agreed to a five-year extension worth $230.5 million, including $160 million in guarantees. NFL Network's Ian Report and Tom Pelissero reported this Thursday. So just think about that. So we're just talking about, wow, Kirby Smart's going to make $110 million over 10 years. Uh, Kyler Murray, he's making $230 0.5 million over five years, 160 million guaranteed. Insane. Absolutely yeah, that's insane. a lot of money for a guy that hasn't won a playoff game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. You're not so, wrong. All right, Justin. Well, we've got to move on to our next segment, though. Uh, and do you know what it is? You know what the segment's called? Oh yes. What what is it? Oh, you wanted me to actually say it. I thought you were about to play the intro here. <laughs> I'll just let you play intro. I'm not going to fall for a right. little bait trap about, here. We, how about we do mismanagers? Peculiar and wonderful and terrible and bad. Mismanagement and mystery and dreams you never had. Grizzly or grievous or beavers with cleavers. Audacity and specialty and used to drive you mad. It's a wonder any one of us can manage to survive in a world of, world of mismanagers. All right, I've got a few stories for you today, Justin. This comes from AP News. Uh, I should also say very quickly, we're recording this on Thursday night. It is possible some big news breaks before Sunday. If it's something huge, I'll come back and add it in. But if it's not, and I think it can wait till the college next football is that. no more. <laughs> yeah, if, that, if that happens, <laughs> if they decide to shut down college football, I'll, I'll hop back on and add a, add a line. But you're going to be out of town as usual, so we had to uh, we had to do it early do it early yeah okay this comes from um ap.com apnews.com lawsuit says bass pro will not honor lifetime warranty on socks can you believe this they're not gonna honor a lifetime warranty on socks why (laughs) (laughs) well a missouri man says in a class action lawsuit against bass pro that the outdoor outfitter is refusing to honor its lifetime warranty on socks Kent Slaughter of Springfield said that after years of exchanging his, quote, redhead lifetime guarantee, all-purpose wool socks, every time they wore out, the Springfield-based company changed its policy in 2021 before he tried to return four pairs of socks. Instead of getting another pair with a lifetime warranty, Slaughter said he was given socks that only carried a 60-day warranty. Why? Why? People, uh... People just blow me away. The fact that he's this guy is so like on these socks that he hired a lawyer and is paying to have a lawsuit put against them. Insane. Yeah, see, that's the crazy thing. He's gonna end yeah. up. He he gonna see. Any, I mean, I don't know what he's expecting from this. He's gonna lose all his money and have to pay this dumb lawyer for socks. Uh, drunk one man protest after not being let into room ended when he got wrong hotel. Mm. Um, a drunk man. Uh, who laid down in front of a hotel in protest because staff wouldn't let him to his room, was moved by police because he was at the wrong hotel. (laughs) Uh, Police responded to reports of an intoxicated man lying in protest on the pavement outside of the Premier Inn in uh, Bermuth in the early hours of Sunday morning. In protest against being refused what he thought was his room, the man decided to lie down on the pavement, pavement outside the hotel until he was stopped by police. They then helped him to his hotel nearby. It is not known which hotel he was meant to be at, but it was not the one he was uh, laying in front of. Very good. Nice of them it's to good help. Good try. 
Yeah, <laughs> I was about to say, good job with the police actually taking them <laughs> to the right hotel. Yeah. I feel like you get the wrong cops there and you're just booked. You go to jail. <laughs> so yeah, like, good, we're bringing this guy to jail. Yeah. Very good. One more story for you, if you don't mind. Uh, this comes from okay. mercurynews.com. And it's uh, a monkey is terrorizing a Japanese neighborhood. 20 people have been attacked so far. I don't know how you can let this keep happening. How has nobody <laughs> caught this monkey yet? Well, a wild monkey is terrorizing a small city in southwestern Japan, breaking into homes, attacking residents. Some 20 people in the Ogori area of Yamaguchi have been bitten or clawed by the monkey since July 8th. <laughs> in a little more than 12 hours this week, it attacked three people, a 10-year-old boy, Tuesday, and two women who were outside during separate attacks Tuesday and Wednesday. Other victims include a 10-month-old girl inside her house, two toddler brothers who were also inside, and a man hanging out laundry to dry. Authorities have not <laughs> confirmed what type of monkey was responsible for the attacks, but said the area is inhabited by macaques, also known as Japanese uh, snow yeah. monkeys. Yeah. Um, I just think the funny part is <laughs> breaking into homes. <laughs> this one imagine, monkey is terrorizing this whole little part of town. Just imagine you're just biting. trying to put your... Yeah, biting, scratching, all this stuff. Imagine you're trying to put your laundry up and a monkey drops out of a tree and just scratches and claws your face. It's terrifying. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. I'm surprised nobody's grabbed this thing by the tail yet and just started swinging it around. <laughs> Monkeys are, are nimble, man. That'd be hard to get a hold of, I believe. So I guess, yeah. Uh, get on the monkey. Sounds like he's having a, a good old time. Anyway, yeah. we got to go to a break. But when we come back, we are going to talk about SEC Media Days. We're going to talk about what Brian Harson said uh, about his uh, inquiry. He's, uh, he's a little harsher on it this time around. We'll talk about the Jimbo Saban uh, feud. We'll talk about what Lane Kiffin had to say about NIL deals and much more. So we'll be right back. You're listening to The Game Managers on WJLX 101.5. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Game Managers Podcast. I'm Nick Norris, and with me is Justin Knight. Hello. And Justin Knight, this week has been SEC Media Days. They're there in Atlanta. I always prefer when it's here in uh, in Hoover, by the Galleria, but can't always have it that way. Uh, Atlanta is trying to become the college football capital of the world, as they keep saying. So they are going to uh, probably get quite a few more of these media days. And we're going to break down all the big things that happened. We're going to talk about the Saban-Jimbo feud. We're going to talk about Brian Harson's kind of uh, harsher addresses to the inquiry that went on that tried to nearly cost him his job at Auburn. Uh, Kiffin uh, giving some takes on NIL deals. And then, of course, uh, Brian Kelly's accent being uh, back to normal at Media Day, as well as a few other things, Justin. <laughs> Uh, but let's start out. Let's start out with what everyone was talking about going into SEC media days, and that was the Nick Saban Jimbo Fisher feud. Now, anyone who follows Nick Saban knows that he wasn't going to get up there and just chew out Jimbo. Uh, that once this happened, it was kind of going to die down, and it was going to be very anticlimactic. But that didn't keep people from getting their hopes up that we were going to see just a fist fight between these coaches. That, of course. Did not happen. What did happen, though, Saban was not even asked about his current relationship with his former assistant on the main podium Tuesday. But he was asked about Fisher afterward in a separate session. 
in the electronic media room. And he had this to say. He said, first of all, I have no issues or problems with Jimbo. He's done a great job at A&M, and he did a great job for us. I always take criticisms or whatever in a positive way to self-assess me personally to feel like there is maybe something I can do better. Um, Jimbo essentially said the same thing. He said he has essentially no beef with Saban anymore either. Uh, He has respect for them. And they're acting like it's water under the bridge. Now, I do think that there is still some probably animosity between these guys. They probably don't like each other a ton. Uh, no, some of the players, Fisher though. towards Saban. Yeah, I don't think Saban thinks about Fisher very much. But I feel like Fisher probably no. thinks a lot about Saban. Uh, some of the players, though, they do not feel the same. Uh, Alabama edge rusher Will Anderson Jr. had this to say about it when he was asked about Jimbo's comments on Saban. He said, we note it. We don't have to speak on it too much. Uh, we see what's going on when the pads get on, when the game gets going. We'll address it then. So, uh, pretty mature way. He, you know, I'm sure they were coached up not to, uh, not to address it, but uh, say they'll just handle it on the field. But very mature response, and uh, and yeah, I think that will that is going to be some great motivation for both of these teams. I think uh, Nick Saban is loving it. Alabama's loving it. This uh, this hate from Texas A&M. So uh, a little more fuel to the fire, wouldn't you say? Yeah, um, I think some other Texas A&M players said something as well, but I don't don't recall what he said. Um, yeah, I mean, it's I don't think anybody else is going to bring it up now at this point, um, so, which I kind of figured that would be the case with these two coaches who have been around for a while and, um, you know, will say one thing and probably will never bring it up again. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it'll just be interesting, I guess, to see what happens during the game, if that really still is the case or not. Yeah, and I think that, um, I don't think this is the last thing we'll hear about it. I think one of them will slip up and say something about the other one at some point, and maybe there'll be another little, you can hear back and forth. But for right now, they're being both very professional. No, uh, no harsh words. They know that this needs to be more about the representation of their teams, of recruiting, of preparing for the season, so... I get it. Uh, it's not what people wanted, but it's the right thing no. for both these teams to do. Yeah. Here's something that did surprise me, though. Brian Harson. ever since the inquiry that uh, Auburn had into his his job ended, he has been um, very much on board with the university, wouldn't you say, in his responses. He, he hasn't necessarily – he didn't say, I love the inquiry, but he said, essentially, I understand it. Um, they found nothing. Like I said, they would, and we're moving on. I love Auburn. That's kind of what he's always said, right? Ever since this, all this happened yeah. in January. That wasn't really the case um, at SEC Media Days. He now he wasn't too. He could have been harsher, for sure. But something's happened in the cl- couple last couple months. Maybe it's been building. Maybe he's getting tired of asking about it, or maybe he's tired of of having to suck up to Auburn after they did him so terribly. But he was asked about the investigation, as he has been very often lately. And this is what he had to say. This is a quote from Brian Harson: There was an inquiry. It was uncomfortable. It was unfounded. And it presented an opportunity for people to personally attack me and my family and also our program. And it didn't work. Uh, yeah, I think that's interesting. Because this is, uh, he's kind of saying, you know, this was uncomfortable. There was an inquiry. It was unfounded. They shouldn't have done this. Uh, you, this, the program was just letting my family, my team, me get attacked over all this. 
This is kind of the first time he's kind of opened up a little bit about it. And then saying it didn't work. You couldn't even fire me. You couldn't find anything. Uh, just yeah, a little true. bit of a little bit of a spit in their face, which he should. Like I, It would be hard to not have a lot of animosity built up over that entire situation. I would, I, you know. Yeah, especially when they brought his family into it as well. And the boosters and really the whole Auburn board and everything didn't really do anything about it. They really got behind it and said, oh, we should look into firing this guy because yeah. we hear this stuff coming up. Um, we don't believe he's the right guy. So, yeah, I don't blame him one bit at all. I'm glad he finally kind of spoke up more against it. And um, Like I said, he, he's not going to tiptoe around many things, it seems like. He's going to say how it is, which I like. So I'm glad he finally said it. And um, I hope he – that's why I hope we have – you know, eight, nine, one season to at least say, hey, look, we built on last season. We were much more successful. And, you you know, when you screwed around and tried to get rid of me, look what I was able to do, even with mm-hmm. some of the, even with, you know, the damage this kind of did to the program at the time with uh, all this nonsense that was put out. So, um, yeah, I, I'm glad that he said this, especially at SEC Media Days when there's a lot more attention on all the coaches. So, I, I hope you keep speaking up against it because it, it was a crappy situation. Nobody should ever have to go through that, especially when it's all just a bunch of rumors. I do wonder what has changed in the last so many months that he has become more comfortable talking about it. I wonder if it's like a time because there's a little more time in between it or if something else has happened. Maybe they're still Maybe they're still in very rough terms with the boosters and – the athletic director and what else, whatever else, I don't know. Um, well, I would but say it, that it's just a different changed. response. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think. I mean, the yeah. booster is going to still feel the same way. They're hoping and praying that he has another six win, seven win season, so they can have an excuse to get rid of him. Because um, yeah, that it's not going to change how they feel about him. They apparently didn't. Majority of them didn't want him in the first place, and it's who they got. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're stuck with him. So that's why I hope he's very successful. And I think he can do a good job. Yeah, I like Brian Harson. I do want. I do want to see him do well. I think he is a a you know a good football coach. Yeah, I like his his persona, his mentality. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, if he doesn't get eight wins, though, I think there's a very good chance he could be fired. So we'll uh, we'll have to yeah. stick around to find that out. Which we'll get. We're getting closer. Getting closer to the football season. Uh, in other news at SEC Media Days, Lane Kiffin, uh, he used his voice to uh, to talk up a little bit about NIL deals. And I think he had a very interesting take on it. Um, I'm going to read the quote here. He said, I'm sure other people have said it. I, say it. I said it day one. You legalize cheating. So get ready for the people that have the most money to get the best players. And there you have it. This was not thought out at all and has created a massive set hmm. of issues, which I think when most people thought about it from a coach's standpoint could have predicted this was going to happen. Yeah, he's right. I, like, I've always been a proponent of NIL. I don't like the thought of NCAA getting all the money, but I also know that if you're going to have a fair playing ground, you have to have some restrictions there, and there's none. There's essentially no restrictions. So it's not a fair playing field. I want the kids to get money. I think they should be able to make money off their own face. I don't like the thought of the NCAA making money off their faces and the kids not getting any. But if if there's no rules, if there's no regulations, if there's no consistency, then yeah, of course there's going to be, it's not going to be even. It's not going to be matched. There's going to be 
programs like Texas A&M that just start recruiting great out of nowhere. And so, yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. But I don't know um, how you fix it. Yeah, I'm glad he's he said something about it because basically what they did is you just had all this pressure starting to build up from a lot of the outside and a lot of former players like, oh, we should get paid, we should get paid. And they just said, all right, here you go. Here's here's the NIL deal. Um, you can pay whatever. You start offering all this money if you got the money and you got the boosters to back it up. Here you go. So, yeah, Texas A&M now has the number one recruiting class because they have big boosters and big donors into that program. So what are they able to do? They're able to buy their players. Um, so, and even Kirby Smart, he made a good point too about, you know, he was like, you know, I've always been for NIL deals, but I've, I sit here and I think, you know, I, I don't think I'd be here if I was 20, 21 years old and I was getting 100000 um, to play college sports. Um, I don't think I'd be the man that I am now because I had to build myself where I was and work hard, get my college degree, and be able to play sports. And, you know, he's just talking about when you're at that age, you know, people do stupid stuff with that much money. I mean, oh, yeah. It's so I, I've never been a huge fan of it because you, when you think of college, it's always been you get your degree and sports came later on. Um, and it's always been a building ground to, hey, if you're good enough, you're going to get paid one day. You'll get paid plenty in the NFL. Um, you know, and the, with the thing, the NCAA getting all the money, maybe they could spread it out better with charities or something. I don't know. But I've never been a huge fan because the focus was always supposed to be your academics. And sports was just, if you're really good in the athletic side, you can do that. Then you can build on hey, if I'm good enough, I can make it to the next level. And as we see now, they just threw out this NIL deal, no restrictions really on it, and it's just kind of run wild, as we've already noted, with it being, what, a couple years now? So at this point, what can you really do to start restricting anything? I don't I don't know. Um, but I'm glad to see some of these coaches start to bring up some valid points about what's going on. And yeah. I'm surprised Jimbo Fisher didn't respond to uh, Lane Kiffin's comment yet either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he's he probably didn't like it, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Speaking of speaking of things you didn't like, Justin Brian Kelly uh, at Media Days, his accent changed back to his uh, regular Massachusetts accent. Thank thank goodness. But yeah. I believe you have some takes on Brian Kelly's interviews at Media Days. I don't think you were quite a fan of. You said he flopped. Yeah, I I've, believe he told me. I've seen a lot of, um, and I've just kind of, I read this article on kind of his interviews and everything. He's just been kind of dull, you know. And like we've talked about with LSU coaches, you've had, you know, um, I'm blanking on their names because it's already been so long, and I'm not very good with names. You had O'Cajun man who was there. Orgeron. He, you think, you think Louisiana? Yeah, Orgeron's the man. And you, of course, you had. Um, a grass chewer before him. Less Miles. His name yep. either. Yeah. Less Miles. Yeah. Another interesting character. Kind of fits into the program. And then you yep. have Brian Kelly. Um, about as dull as a saltine cracker. You know, just <laughs> nothing special about him. Yeah. So, I don't know. He just, there's just nothing that I really liked from him in SC Media Days. I think I've seen a lot of people kind of have the same thought I have that, I mean, what, I'll give him two or three years. 
maybe. Well, I don't really see him being a huge success because it's completely mm. different. Notre Dame, I know it's it's always been a historic program, but I'd say he never really had the pressure that he's going to have at LSU now, who expects to be competing for the West every single season, who just won and had the best team of all time three years ago in LSU, winning the national championship with Joe Burrow and all the talent they had. Um and best te- best LSU team of all time. I don't know if I'd say the best team of all time. So, I, d- I don't know. It's just I've never really liked him to begin with either, and I don't think this is a good fit for him. We've talked about it. There's just – and it's kind of unfair to say because it's like, oh, well, you know, he's a decent coach, but you kind of have to have a personality when you go into different programs, and especially one like an LSU who has great facilities and hmm. expects certain things out of their coaches – um, in their program every single year. So I just think he's a dud, just like a not, nothing really special. See, I think I think he will do well at, at LSU. I, I would not be surprised at all if he won a national championship. But uh, he does not fit in aesthetically whatsoever. <laughs> like he's that's not, what I think. That, that's yeah. going to hurt him, I think. Yeah, and it may. It may. I mean, you, you win. That covers up all that other stuff. If he, if he goes out yeah, and he just does. keeps winning. But, yeah, he, he, he is a he is a very different than – the last few coaches LSU is, is yeah that there. they've had. Uh, finally, in this uh, SEC Media Days segment, the probably the most laughable quote to come out of the week. Vanderbilt coach Clark Lee he said, and this is a quote, direct quote: "We know in time Vanderbilt will be the best program in the country." You know that, do you? You you know that? Are you sure? Hey, I mean, I appreciate the guy's confidence and yeah, his uh, yeah. willing to say, "Hey, look, we're going to build something over here." Um, could he have? I mean, what else do you expect him to say? I guess he could have we're dumbed go, it down a little more and said, "We're yeah. going to improve this year. We're going to, we're going to build." You know, we want to be among <sighs> the top t- teams. Yeah, we're going to try to learn from or mistakes maybe in the past. We would like to be the best program. <laughs> we will be the best. Is Quite bold, quite bold. Yeah, um, but I you haven't seen you haven't heard any other Vanderbilt coach say it in the past few seasons. When, yeah, when when they I mean they they fired a new coach just about every year it seems like. So um, yeah, I, yeah, appreciate uh, great on them having the confidence to say something like that. Um, is it of course insane, crazy <laughs> blasphemy almost? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but, Have we ever uh, said anything nearly that bold on this show? I'd like to say I'd like to think no. No, heck no. I don't think <laughs> okay. anybody's really said anything that bold in general in sports, really, the past yeah. few months. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard anything that crazy. Um no. but yeah, when I saw it, I was like, man, he's already made a fool of himself by saying that. But also saw people <laughs> saying, Hey, uh, like the confidence, you know, that you're yeah. saying that, yeah. but no. <laughs> and that would never happen. Well, all right. That is uh that's all the main talking points I feel like I'd like to talk about for SEC Media Day. Is there anything else that you saw that you'd like to throw in there, Justin, or are you prepared to move on? No. Um you know, the bias in me with being an Auburn fan. I I liked what Harson said about Auburn in general. He's talking about the campus, beautiful campus. There's good energy right now going on about the upcoming football season. Um He's just saying, just kind of watch and see. You you kind of you have to prove yourself once you get on the field. He, he wasn't really promising anything. He's just like, hey, the fun thing about football is that 
you get to have an opportunity every Saturday to try to prove something. Hmm. And, you know, he's saying recruits, you, you got to watch and just watch, just see what we're able to do. He believes in the team that they're building and which uh, that's the kind of attitude you got to have. Cause you just never know. I mean, with uh, college athletes and college sports in general, you just, you never know every Saturday. So, um, I always like the things that he says. I think he, like I said, uh, always has a good attitude and good uh, persona about him. And uh, he's a good football, you know, football guy. So, I, I, like I said, I'm excited. I know that most people aren't expecting much from Auburn, but that's always when we do something crazy. So, like yeah. I said, eight or nine wins is a huge success with everything that happened in the off season. But, yeah, I like what he had to say. I think he said that today. I believe that was today. I don't know. Thursday, that would be Thursday. Very good. Thurs- yeah, yeah. So today, Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, we do need to move on though. So how about we go learn a thing or two in the learning corner with Professor Knight? All right, students, gather round and put on your listening ears. It's time to visit the learning corner with Professor Knight. <laughs> what are we learning today, Professor? Oh, hello and good evening. Um, I was kind of intrigued. I saw yesterday that the All-Star Game, MLB All-Star Game, MLB All-Star Game it was the least watched ever. Um, and it got me wondering, you know, kind of like viewership in different sports and hmm. statistics. So I was just doing some digging. It's just kind of all different things. So okay. this year's All-Star Game, it's the least watched ever. It was like 7.45 million or whatever. Um the home run derby, I believe, was like down three or six percent. The MLB draft was down thirty-one percent from That's last year's draft, drop. which I, wow. I thought was crazy. Um, yeah. I've never seen such a huge drop, um, no. especially in ratings like that. So that that was that blew my mind. Um, so I was just like, well, what's what's going on with other ratings? You know, going um, throughout different sports and thirty percent um, is insane. Huge. Uh, the 2022 NFL draft was the least watched in years. Um, let's see what the ratings were for it. Uh, let's see. The NFL TV ratings, they increased for uh, 2021 season. The league didn't see the upward uh, trajectory continue with the draft. Um, it wasn't nearly as big of a hit for everyone at home. Round one averaged 10 million with a 5.6 rating. In comparison, the 2021 draft averaged 12.5 million. And the virtual draft averaged fifteen point three million, which is crazy because virtual draft sucked. Yeah, but um, here's the thing: the virtual draft people watched because they didn't know what to expect out of it, and there was nothing. Well, else that on. yeah, that's true. This past draft, I didn't watch most of it because I didn't think it was yeah. interesting. The setting I didn't like; it was just in that big tent or whatever. Yeah, I'm like you're in Vegas, you don't want to find something cool. Like the the original plan when they were going to do Vegas in 2020. Was they were going to do it outside of the uh, the Caesar uh, hotel, condo, whatever, uh, and yeah. they were going to have it on that big pond, and the players would ride a boat out to the stage. That's that's cool. That but like just being out in the the tent or whatever that sucked. I, I was like, why? What? This this isn't very visually interesting. No, I don't think I watched any of it. I didn't watch yeah. a single lick of the draft. It just. I, I, I don't know. You know, over the past few years, I haven't really had any interest. Like I said, I think the last one I watched was the virtual draft because, like you said, just to see kind of what was going to happen and all this craziness. Um, 
But another one, like the Beijing uh, Winter Olympics, it was the lowest rated Winter Games of all time. Hmm. Um, and then there, I just saw some other, like the, let's see, World Series, I think back in 2020, it was the least, the smallest audience ever in Game 1. Um, and then there's some, I just looked up some viewership statistics. Um, first broadcast sporting event was in Missouri, 1911, if you didn't know that. Uh, the 36th Berlin Olympics was the first televised sporting event. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, let's see. Da, da, da. There's you know, another I, interesting thing in here. It is interesting that, like, it's it's it makes you wonder why this is happening, though. And I guess it's because people are watching less TV. It's more people are going to more streaming. That's what... That's what I was thinking. I think people, which is crazy because with technology, you would think more people would be going to the TV. But like you said, it's more streaming stuff. Like, I'll just watch a TV show or, um, I, heck, I don't know, watch uh, pop, YouTube videos. I know, you know probably a lot of people yeah. just watch, pull up YouTube videos. But, but I also, yeah, I don't also really think know. there's a, I think there's an oversaturation issue too. I think that. We, we were in a real bubble from 2010 to about 2020 where we could watch any sport we wanted at any time, and we still can. And that was new, yeah. and that was cool, and everybody wanted to watch everything. But I think there was an oversaturation where people got tired of watching it, and they got used to it and comfortable with it, and they thought, well, something's always on. I don't have to watch this game. I can just watch one some other time. Yeah, And I think that people kind of just got burnt out a little bit on it. I think that's part of it, too. Like I said, Louis said the other day, Alabama's first uh, game you have to pay for since, like, maybe 2011 Ooh, yeah, is happening this year. Yeah, I know yeah. it's been a long time since they've had a pay-per-view game. This one's on ESPN Plus this year, a cupcake game. I was like, that's yeah. it's been so long since I had to pay for an Alabama game. But it's it's like so. What is what is the only thing that I can think of that's a positive out of this is that I do hope that that all football does go to some sort of streaming where I can just pay for that and not pay seventy dollars for YouTube TV for a bunch mm, of channels. I yeah, don't for all a bunch of channels. Yeah, that you're let not me pay use. forty a month and just watch football. You know, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, and I also think, yeah, of course, COVID has ruined just about everything. Um, that hasn't really helped, and it, it almost feels kind of like a culture change. Um, I don't. It just feels like a lot of people aren't tuning in to the sports. It's almost like there's a disconnect with, yeah, you know, you, with these athletes and just normal people. They're just like, oh, I don't really care to watch you play a sport anymore. I'll just go do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know. It is interesting, but um, I don't really know what you do to make it more entertaining because. It's not like sports have changed any. I mean, I think the right. best way, kind of like you said, is just maybe bring up streaming devices. Like, you just have an option for college football. Here's what you're going to pay for the whole season, but you get access to as many college football games as you want. You pay this, yep. you can watch them all. Well, all, all that are broadcasted, you know. Um, do the, Which, I mean, they do that for MLB and everything. You can buy certain passes, NBA, NFL, of course. So... <clears throat> Yeah, it's a surprise they haven't done it for college football yet with, you know, concerning, I, I find it's got to be the biggest college sport, in my opinion. Um, maybe at some point they'll go ahead and go into that because it'd probably make pretty good money. But, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, but 
one other thing I was going to bring up that was a cool stat was um, I think the Super Bowl, this past Super Bowl, was like the second most watched ever, which was, I guess, an encouraging thing for NFL. It's like 112 million. The past six World Series have totaled to 103 million. Wow. <laughs> which That's I thought insane. was crazy. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, the Super Bowl is definitely a world just because of the commercials they do and then the Super Bowl halftime show and pregame yeah, and stuff. It's- and it's one event, whereas the World Series is, it is. six yeah, or seven or whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah, same thing with NBA, NHL. You have multiple games. Yeah, the right. Super Bowl, it's just one big event, playing it tonight, winner take all. Um, but, yeah, I just found you know a lot of interesting st- uh, statistics, especially the MLB draft one down 30% from last year. Yeah, so. that's hard to believe. And I'm kind of curious why th- the reasoning is now – of course, there has been some issue with baseball. Of course, with this past the start of the season with the lockout and everything, that could be a reason. I think they've already lost a lot of viewers, and just because of that, a lot of people kind of fed up with um, owners and baseball and just some of the players just kind of fighting over these small, tiny things that average Americans don't ever have to deal with. Yeah, um, that could probably be a reason a lot of people don't like Manfred either. The uh, president of baseball right now 30 percent though in one year is is a lot that's that's like seriously concerning yeah it is yeah i'll have to try to pull up see if anybody's written any articles of why right yeah i didn't i'd never heard that that's that's uh it's interesting Okay, well, we got to go to a break. Uh, But when we come back, we are going to give out our weekly awards, the TG Yimmy. So stay tuned. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Game Managers Podcast. I'm Nick Norris, and with me is Justin Knight, and we are about to give out the most prestigious awards in the college football world, the TG Emmys. How you doing, Justin? I'm doing great. Your, your voice sounds beautiful. Thank you. I thought I'd do my little, my little host <coughs> voice. If I was ever going to host the nice. Grammys, that's what I'd do. Very good. Very good. All right. I will give out our first award, as I typically do. This award, it goes to the dumbest college club sport that loses the only good thing, ah, not good, the only thing it had going for it, its name. And I'm going to give this award to Quidditch. You know, are you familiar with Quidditch, Justin? Uh, yeah, I've heard of it. Don't really know the rules, but I've heard of it. The Harry Potter game, right? You fly on your little broom and you do your little game and they do it at colleges, right? You throw the ball through the yeah. thing and you, yep. Well, they have changed yeah. the name from Quidditch to Quad Ball as they are trying to cut ties from the Harry Potter franchise. Why? <laughs> uh, I didn't look into it. I know that uh, a lot of it has to do with uh, J.K. Rowling has some very controversial takes um, on some different things and they are uh, trans rights. Uh, particularly, and so they're they're cutting cutting uh, ties from the entire Harry Potter franchise, which makes me wonder: like, do you change the whole game at that point? Like, you just yeah, you change the you? Na- you know? <laughs> do you uh, get rid of the brooms? What, what else change? It's interesting. So that was uh, that was my award yeah, for know. yeah, uh, very interesting. What what do you have for us this week, Justin? Uh, mine is a loser of the week, and that goes to mm. the Washington Nationals. As oh. uh, 
as we know, uh, Juan Soto, he was offered a $440 million deal to stay with the team. He declined it. So for the Home Run Derby, uh, they didn't fly him out there. He had to fly commercial <laughs> just like the rest of us. Poor, poor wow. peasants. I know. Yeah. Poor guy had the ride commercial. Ooh, he's Can probably so scared. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was just, I thought that was funny, just how petty they were. <laughs> send them, not is, even send him out on the charter flight. That is very funny. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, uh, our best of the week award. Uh, I give this to uh, to ESPN this week because they did not list Ohio State as one of the most storied programs in college football history. And it made a lot of Thank people gosh. upset. But it's pretty funny. And it's probably true because they only listed five. And the five they picked was Notre Dame, Michigan, Alabama, USC, and Oklahoma. Uh, I probably wouldn't put Ohio yeah, State above fair. those either. Yeah. So that's... No. Uh, yeah, upset a lot of people, but I thought that's great. It's uh, that's probably probably true. So, yeah, good. And and uh, and bust of the week, the opposite of best of the week. Uh, I had to give this. There wasn't a ton that happened this week, uh, controversy wise. So controversy wise, so I had to give it to the lack of controversy between Jimbo and Saban, as everybody was kind of hoping for something. We all kind of knew it cooled off, but uh, still, still no fun. Still no fun. Nothing to talk about there. So. We'll give it to them. Okay. Well, Justin, we got to move on to our last segment of the day. Listener letters. Go getters, write letters. We're the ones who read them. Please don't stop writing in to fill the time we need them. We are reading letters. The letters wrote by you. If you would like to reach the show, you can do so by emailing us at gamemanagerspod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TGMPod. Send us a little message there. This first one comes from Mike. Mike asks, which college football team will be this year's biggest disappointment? Very good question, Mike. Hmm. Uh, very biggest good question. Disappointment. It's always hard um, to, uh, to guess this. Um, off the top of my head, though, if I had to guess... And the only reason I say this is because they are getting so hyped, so overhyped is USC. Um, they've done great recruiting, but those they're all freshmen. Uh, so yeah, maybe just calm down on USC. Yeah, maybe don't put too much pressure on them just yet on uh, Lincoln Riley's well, first they're, year. They're, peop- they're being hyped as a national champion contender. I'm like, hey, everybody yes, calm I've down. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, college football pundits, they love USC, and they just yeah. love that they're finally back in the spotlight again, you know, possibly. Um, right. uh, I'm gonna, I'm still going to stick with A&M because, of course, there's a lot of hype going to them as well. Yeah. Um, I think there will be a big disappointment just because they're also very young. Um, hmm. They're going to have a lot of young players coming in. And even with the number one recruiting class, I'm not really expecting much from them. It's yeah. I'm, I wouldn't be shocked if they went eight and four. Wouldn't shock me at all. But if and if I want to have a second team that I could possibly just have a disappointing year, um, I could see Georgia having kind of like a down year. Maybe after two, just two winning losses, the national championship, two or three losses. Yeah, yeah, two or three losses. I could see them um, slipping up a couple games just because still riding the high of the national championship. Um, so I could see that as a possibility as well. Hmm. And our last email, I'll have to read with this one very quick. We're running out of time. This is from Andrew. He says, uh, I want to give a TGME to Clark Lee for making the boldest statement on college football history, saying Vanderbilt will be the best program in the nation. Yeah, he probably probably deserved one. Uh, Andrew, I agree. Yeah. That's 
You're not going to hear anything bolder than that. That's yeah. going to be the boldest statement you hear for a long time. No, we'll, um, we'll give him one. Clark Lee, congratulations on your first TG Emmy. It's, uh, great job. <laughs> it's unfortunate. Yeah, good job. Uh, like we said, if you want to reach the show, GameManagersPod at gmail.com or at TGMPod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That is all the time we have for today. But thank you all for listening, uh, and we will be back next week. And I think next week, Justin, we should start, we should start previewing this season. Maybe break down each team mm. a little bit. Uh, over the next few weeks yeah we'll, we'll get into that so but thank you all for listening we'll see you next week have a great week wiggle anyways blue 42 blue 42 hut hut hike thank you for listening to the game managers like the show on facebook twitter and instagram at tgm pod until next week goodbye adios And sayonara.